Uh, what, what month is this? March, that's right. <laughs> it's because you we're doing it on a different month. That's always a good way to start a podcast, I think. What's month, what month is it? Where where, where am, I? am I? Yeah. Who the hell am I? <laughs> Why are we here? Um, I am joined this month by well, I mean, I don't I always I'm I don't know how to describe you. I mean when we did that little video series that we did here. I just, I'm in awe, Kathy, of what you do and who you are and your immense creativity. You're, you're so, so, so brilliant at pretty much everything you do that it is a tiny bit infuriating. Um, oh, bless you. I'll take that. Thanks, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when, I, when we did the video series, which we'll talk about, because I'd love people to watch that, uh, I introduced you as the queen of veg. I'll take that too. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> and but you're more than that you're you are a lovely person like a genuinely really lovely person to know you're this is getting embarrassing now always <laughs> smiley and happy and you you're a brilliant cook and chef and you're a kind of bon vivant and uh, you're creative and you know what to do and oh, i'm reading the i'm sorry kathy i'm reading the introduction for somebody else um no, no i'm kidding <laughs> hanging up now <laughs> um so my guest co-host there she is swigging from a pink mug is which matches your jumper is kathy Ooh. slack hello hello how's it going <laughs> i'm very excited to be talking to you i can't i'm so pleased to be here thank you for having me that's very kind of you to say i mean you couldn't really not say that after that introduction could you? <laughs> I really couldn't. I'm going to record that and just play that back to myself every yeah. morning. <laughs> As a ringtone for your phone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, people should really know who you are, but they probably don't. But by heck, they will do soon. Um, we've got so much to talk about. You've got a new book coming out, which isn't why you're on the podcast, but I'm glad that you can be on it to talk about it. Me too. Um, and we've done, as I alluded to, this little video series, which I wish we could do more of. If you lived closer, I think probably you would have moved by now because or changed your telephone number and email address. And be like, please stop him hounding. He's always here. <laughs> your garden's so beautiful. It's like studio re telly ready, isn't it? It's just <laughs> fabulous to film Thank it. You. So it's always a joy. Can't wait to see it again. When they let us out, I will be over yeah. there from the west side of the country to the east side of the country in a flash. Oh, that makes me on the east side. That makes me sound quite butch, doesn't it? And sort Ooh, of a bit, you know, rugged. Steady. Going, going to the east side. <laughs> like that that musical. <laughs> Which is now beginning to make me sound slightly less butch. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Kathy, you, I mean, I've known you through various different stages in your career. So how do you, um, how do you identify yourself right now? What, what would you say, who, who is Kathy Slack? Well, I think given that the book is taking up so much of my time and given that I've spent maybe seven years wanting to say I'm a food writer and sort of fudging it slightly, I am now going to say I am a food writer. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there ought to be sort of trumpets and uh, oh. and celebrations with that because, um, yeah, the book's been a long time in the coming and I'm... Uh, it's taking up all of my time at the moment, which is a sure. good thing. Uh, but yeah, I write about the food that I get from my veg patch. So I'm a grower as well. And I cook, obviously. I don't really see much of a difference between the two. Like I don't really think about where the growing stops and the cooking starts. It's kind of all one 
the part of one process as far as I'm concerned. So part grower, part cook, part writer, which is all kind of the same job to me. Um, and then before that, well, before um, the current situation, I was doing supper clubs as well based on the harvests that I was getting from my veg patch, which was mostly out of necessity as well as just loving cooking for people. Uh, I was getting loads of vegetables and not knowing what to do with them all. I was going to have to invite some more people for dinner. And suddenly I'm going to need a bigger <laughs> space. And thank God I've now got 25 people to eat my radish glut or whatever it is <laughs> at the time. So. Well, so I love the idea that you don't see a definition between growing and eating because <clears throat> that was something that I really latched onto when we first met when you were doing uh, sort of cookery school work which mm. is where I first met you I think yeah at Dalesford wasn't it yes um and our other cookery schools are available oh, until yeah. until they sponsor the podcast <laughs> <laughs> um uh, let, let's not be coy about this but I that that particular sort of um, way of thinking, I guess, of enjoying cooking and seeing it as this one sort of process of you know growing something on and enjoying the flavors of it, and then cooking it and enjoying the flavors of it again. And I, I just loved all of that. So I think it's really a, a sweet way to think about cooking. Um, sweet sounds a bit patronising, but as in like a, a really nice way to think about yeah. cooking. Because a lot of people struggle with it, don't they? Yeah, and not everyone thinks like that. It really depends what kind of grower you are. Like I know a lot mm -hmm. of growers, particularly people who are serious allotmenteers, who grow for the sake of growing. And what gets done with it is kind of secondary. So they're more thinking about... Um, often about the village show for example but, sure. but more about the different varieties and the complexity of the growing of them and things like that whereas when I plant a leek I'm thinking about the leek and cheese tart that I <laughs> make with it or classically when I plant when I plant um, spinach I'm thinking about how much spinacopita I can make from each plant. Like I harvest right. by spinacopita. So. What the heck is spinacopita? Oh, oh, it's just delicious. What it's, is it? It's a classic pie. It's a, of, a, <gasps> I love um, of a Greek origin, okay. um, but also found in various versions across Turkey and the Middle East and so on um, and parts of North Africa. And it's, spinach and feta in phyllo pie in a phyllo <laughs> I was literally when you just described those countries i was about to say i guess it's phyllo pastry feta and spinach you got it <laughs> that <laughs> sounds depending amazing on where you are some other herbs and spices um but, nice but you can also make it with chard you can make it with um i make it with weeds in the spring because i have a lot of weeds in the veg patch and it's great with you know nettles and um oh, wow. and basically anything light and leafy greeny will sure work. and it's a winner every time that's what i loved when we when you were here last and we did that bit of filming and you were cutting off carrot tops and things like that and saying keep those because we're mm. going to use those in a salsa verde or in a in a salad and I loved all that, just that zero waste, just something really incredibly wholesome and fulfilling about just using all of it. It was so fun. It's very, it comes from a very selfish place, though. I mean, I know it sounds quite virtuous, but when you've 
when you've grown a carrot, you're so excited that you've managed to grow a carrot and that you've known this creature when it was the tiniest of tiny seeds, it's the size of a pinhead. And now you're looking at it and it's a six inch carrot with loads of leafy tops to it. The last thing you want to do is put any of that in the waste. So you don't peel it, you keep sure. the tops, you know, you use the whole thing. And it's mostly just out of wonder and quite a lot of vanity that you do that rather than <laughs> virtuousness. <laughs> I have to say I do top and tail my carrots because my dog Marley loves carrots. Ah uh, yes, my dog does too. My Hadley the Spaniel loves a carrot and a courgette. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think he, Marley would like courgettes, but actually, only recently in the last ten days, I found that because I dropped a bit while I was cutting it, and he quite happily ate that. And I thought, oh, well, there you go. Good to um, know. Which is very useful to know if you've got dogs and you want to train them, because carrots are a much better way to feed your dog treats than all of that rubbish that you buy the processed stuff. Dog treats. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or having to cook chicken liver, which is what I did to train my spaniel. Ooh, oh, God. <laughs> Lovely well, to eat. Doesn't taste great. <laughs> The heebie-jeebies. <laughs> um, I don't like liver or uh, what's the other thing? Kidneys. I oh. can't be doing. It's the texture. I oh, don't like it. Out. Apparently so. <laughs> oh, well. Well, I'm all right with that. As um, is Marley, by the sounds of it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Although he was on a raw diet for actually for um, a few years. Actually, I fed both of the dogs um, raw um, for, for quite a while. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, we, we digress. digress. <laughs> it's nice to have doggy chat. Uh, it's nice to be surrounded by doggy people. I trust mm. them more, Kathy. I quite agree. Um, so you've always been a grower and a cook, or did one come before the other? They, I think I was probably a cook before I was a grower, just because of circumstance. So I've always been right. into cooking. My dad's a really good cook. My mum's a great cook as well, but my dad's a kind of intuitive, here, try this kind of cook. <laughs> Um, so I've always grown up being interested in cooking and we used to live in, I've always lived in the suburbs. And then when I left home, I moved to London and, um, grew and cooked in London because I was, I just enjoyed it, uh, but very much for myself. And, um, and then when we moved out to the countryside, it just seemed obvious. I live in the Cotswolds now. It just seemed obvious that I would grow as part of the cooking that I was doing. Sure. Um, and that's when I got more interested in cooking vegetables and cooking seasonally. And there's so many farms and such incredible farming around us in the Cotswolds sure. that you also then get interested in different types of farming, um, sustainable farming and things like that. So it all kind of snowballs as soon as you, it becomes yeah. part of your landscape. You dip your toe in the water and it's really addictive, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And fascinating. When it's part of your everyday, I think you really notice the implications of it as well. Yeah, sure. I've always loved that about you, um, that you you see things and you it's like every single thing that you see, you've got something that you know what to do with it. You'll be walking around the garden. Of course, you can use that for that. They're edible. You can do this. Don't do that. I love that. And has that come from, because you're not, <clears throat> as far as I'm aware, you, you've got, you went to cooking school or chef college or whatever, right? You did that thing or mm. not? Did you do that route? Yeah, a bit. I kind of, I a came bit? to a, a <laughs> What bit. does that mean? Like you you well, decided halfway through it wasn't for you or did you get kicked out? Um, no, yeah, I got, I got kicked out. No, I, um, I mostly learned on the job. I did go to chef school for a bit. I went to Ashburton, um, which is a 
sort of catering college but it wasn't a classic <laughs> diploma catering college it's where it's I call it kind of distance learning where you go and you do short courses and then you come away and you do some of it on your own and then you go back okay again. so <laughs> rather than like a diploma full-time course right? every time you go back in they count how many fingers you've got <laughs> yes well done. Sure. you've still got 10 congratulations yes, yeah. you've made it exactly um so I learned a bit there but then I learned on the job um I got a job at Dalesford um, Organic Farm, which is nearby, um, just over the border in Gloucestershire from me in Oxfordshire. And I worked first in the kitchen garden there. Um, and then I, that was just a summer job and I knew it couldn't go on forever. But then a job came up in the cookery school. So I started and I got that and started working there and then was working in the kitchen a bit as well. So and I really think learning on the job, particularly when it's that kind of environment, is so useful because you spend a bit of time in the creamery and then you spend a bit of time with the yeah. farm um and then you spend a bit of time in the bakery and your your view of cooking and how to cook is really different from if you've just done the restaurant route or just done the college sure. route or whatever and they just make different types of chef that's all i'm much more connected with the produce as well actually if you're around it being grown right yeah, which is what was particularly interesting. It depends what interests you, but that was what really sure. interested me. Yeah, and so, but then the growing bit is isn't a qualified route. You don't have you're not you didn't go to the RHS or didn't do you know you're not a gardener, right? No, no, I'm definitely not a gardener. I'm a very, <laughs> I'm a very haphazard grower. I do have an RHS qualification. Oh. Um, which oh, well, I'm I, sorry, I take it all back. Oh, well, really don't. because. <laughs> or, or are they about I, to take it back? <laughs> I, yeah, they might do, because I can't remember anything that I've done. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't specifically about, it was more just about growing and gardening than it was about, um, about vegetables. But again, it's one of those things where it depends how you learn, but I learn by doing. And sure. growing and learning from other growers and learning from your mistakes, that's what's so nice about veg growing. Unlike plant growing like garden growing it's um you can just try again next year if it doesn't work yeah you haven't spent 50 quid on a shrub that's now going to die and you're gonna to have to go and buy another one and it won't flower for five years without your tender sure. loving care you just plant the radishes next year and it's fine so you you learn very quickly i wanted to talk to you about this because <clears throat> This obsession, I'm going to call it an obsession, Cathy, because I think I know you well enough. Uh, this obsession with gluts. Mm. Um, now, where did this come from? What, why are you just a brilliant gardener that you end up with loads and loads of excess veg? Or are you, do you have very poor self-control? So you just plant as much as you that's, possibly can? Like, where did yeah, this obsession that's exactly it. Right. It's from being a very bad gardener that, uh, that <laughs> results in a lot of gluts and a very disorganized one. Because if you're a very organized grower, you take, I'm trying to think, take lettuces, for example. You have five or six different varieties of lettuces that you pick at the beginning of the, that you choose the seeds at the beginning of the year. And then you have a nice orderly calendar that reminds you every couple of weeks to plant just a little row of this particular variety and then another little row of that particular variety. And then your calendar reminds you to do the same again in three weeks time. So you get staggered harvests 
all the way through the year. And then your wonderful calendar also reminds you to thin them out and pop them on <laughs> a little bit so they don't bunch up and you don't have lots of little straggly ones that you have to pick all at once. They grow into nice, they've got lots of space and they grow into beautiful, happy plants and you're smug and and I am not that grower at all. I get so overexcited and I'm also a bit nervous that things won't germinate. So I plant way too many seeds and I, and I tend not to spend as much time as I want to spend in the garden. So I plant far too many at once because I know I won't be able to come back and plant some more later. And then I forget to pot them on or I forget to thin them out or I'm too chicken to thin them out because... If you don't know what thinning out is, I'm sure everybody does. But if you don't, it's when you have to pick out the baby, the weediest seedlings between all the other strong seedlings to give the give them the best chance of of growing on. And I'm just too soft to do it. I can't bear picking out. So then everything gets a bit cluttered and then it all comes at once. And then suddenly, (laughs) before you know it, you've got four kilos of lettuce and it all has to be picked or it'll go to seed. And that I cannot bear. It's got to be used. So it's a sort of combination of being a not very good gardener and also having a kind of pathological terror of waste, (laughs) which is my father's fault. Like My dad will go shopping in order to buy food to use up a bit of something that's left over in the fridge. (laughs) Um, And it's it's genetic. So I think that's why it's not a good thing at all, but it's just happened to be the way that I grow. So I'm just learning to embrace embrace myself as I am rather than strive for change because it's fruitless. This is music to my ears. basically me where you know what to do it's in every book you've read it you've been told it but when it comes to it you're like oh I, I, but look at them all all the little seedlings yeah, i can't I do know. it i know yeah uh, and then you worry that well if i take those out what if some of those die then i'm going to have even less at least now i've got loads it's just um, terrible risk management really yes it means you end up with a lot of gluts but it's fine i i like it and now you know in the in the modern world of freezers and things and and now everyone's so into fermenting and preserving and things sure. there's so much you can do with it that it's it's never a chore and it's quite um it's quite creative what's that phrase about necessity is the mother of invention it's kind yes. of the same that when you've got four kilos of lettuce suddenly you're inventing different ways of using lettuce yeah it's not sure just a salad it's a soup or it's on the barbecue griddled oh so good with a blue cheese sauce mm. um or whatever it might be you find unusual ways of using it so that you don't end up just eating lettuce like a rabbit all day See, my problem which is odd for somebody who's so creative is that uh I forget where I can go to get inspiration to do stuff with it. Mm. So if I ended up with a ton of lettuce, I'd think, oh, God, I'm going to have to have prawn cocktail for lunch and dinner for the next six days. And that would be my route. I'd go, OK, right, I'll just do that. I'll have a very lettuce prawn cocktail. <laughs> What's the one thing I know that uses loads of lettuce? I know. <laughs> um, oh, well, I've definitely got a soup recipe for you that uses a load of lettuce oh well that's really good. delicious and you can have it chilled or you can have it warm it's kind of and you can freeze soup cucumber and you can freeze it as well so yeah uh, but soft plug um we'll get to the big plug in a minute um <laughs> but soft plug your um blog actually has you're really good at giving away 
all sorts of great recipes and ideas, aren't you? Do that, and you've got a brilliant newsletter, one of the best newsletters I've seen, actually. Genuinely, oh, bless you, thank you. Yeah, I had a big shake up of the website and newsletter last year at the end of the last year. Um, because hey, what else is there to do? Sure, <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm really glad about it, but I really enjoy um writing recipes and photographing them and I do it maybe I do a batch of probably four in a month so that there's one to go out on the blog every week and yeah uh, and then it goes in the newsletter as well so I love that and so um we can go to kathyslack.com to sign up for that right you can indeed and it comes okay. out pretty much every month is that where your blog is as well attached to your mm-hmm. website oh, okay. it is yeah on <laughs> kathyslack.com slash now, blog slash blog <laughs> slash blog we like keep it simple keep it yeah. keep it instinctive uh, now you mentioned seeds last month i spoke with the wonderful christine walkton who was mm. super fun and great very funny and a lovely lady she mentioned about seeds now <laughs> you will know because you were here and when I've i confided in seeds, you yes oh dear <laughs> uh, i have it's seed there. issues you do um so you came up a couple of years back in the summer because I had an issue and I needed help. And so there's only one woman that I trusted with my issues and it was you. So you came up a little bit like the super nanny of the kitchen. Um, super nanny of Afterwards, seeds. Afterwards, we looked at your seeds. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and you said, for that, my boy, you need to squat over natural yogurt. <laughs> and we spent a whole day filming in the garden looking at, uh, growing as a uh, and we created a, a little mini series called organic treats and garden eats it's available for free you can see it on on youtube and, and it's there it's good fun we'll send a little link uh, to this but we did a whole episode on growing and, and how to grow and i and you very brilliantly and, and very um sensitively <laughs> at times probably aggressively but but you know you know it's fine tough love jez it's tough love <laughs> That's now my new approach to gardening is tough love. Um, <clears throat> looked at my quote unquote vegetable patch. Um, it was beautiful. You did it down too much. It was just a little bit messy and some bits weren't in very sensible places. But apart from that. And I had kept the seeds in the greenhouse where they basically perished. Um, that was but, probably the biggest problem. Yes. They, cooked they don't all like of my light scenes. and they don't like warmth. So yes, yes you just cooked them. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and so in that, uh, in that particular episode, um, you give some great advice and go check it out online. And then we did another episode, uh, which was uh, about preparing the food for cooking. And that was, we talked a lot about gluts and what to do if you've got too much of it. And, and then my favourite one is episode three. That's where we got to cook and eat. Um, uh, and you give some great advice there as well about raw veg and cooking veg and whatever. And your but, fire was amazing. I love that. Open yeah. Kitchen. Oh, yeah. so good. The little outside kitchen area we've got. Christine gave me some great advice about seeds. Mm. Where do you keep your seeds? I keep them in a wooden box in a cold bit of the basement oh, the, okay. a dry bit of the basement sure okay well, i guess does, that's what does she recommend well i thought this was lovely because she did some when she was learning when she was studying she did some work at um i forget the exact place a research center mm. uh, and basically all they do is store seeds and research so she just took exactly what they did and replicated it 
And she keeps them in a Tupperware box with a silica gel sachet in it in the salad drawer of her fridge. In the fridge. Genius. Yeah. The silica gel, I think, is absolutely crucial if you're going to do that because damp is not something they deal with very well. But that's a great idea. Yeah. But equally, if you've got a basement that's a little bit cool, then then that's good Mm. too, right? Um, and and she, you know, her she's been described as a no nonsense gardener because she's it's just stripped it of all the fluff and very similar, I suppose, in style to you. Actually, I like your simplicity and and the lovely thing about you is that you you're so creative that the output is always looks phenomenal and is always really tasty, and yet the way to get there is so simple it almost seems unreal. Like when you're just casually saying oh you know here's a very simple way to remember it's this many eggs and this many flour and this much sugar and then (laughs) and you're just sort of making it and I'm thinking this isn't surely going to be that impressive like this is very simple and then you get to the end and it's like mind-blowingly delicious and it looks great as well I'm really glad you say that because I really feel like um, I love a TV show and I love shouting at the telly, particularly on things like <laughs> MasterChef and stuff like that. But I do worry that it's done a bit of a disservice to cooking in that it's done lots of wonderful things, but it's also made us feel like beautiful, delicious food is hard to do. Sure. And it's not. It's a big old fib that it's really straightforward, particularly when you're dealing with amazing ingredients so if it's really fresh and it's organic and if you've grown it yourself as well and it's just plucked from the veg patch you don't need to do very much to it you wouldn't want to because you're so amazed that you've grown it you don't want to smother it in sauces and velutes and foam and all that nonsense it doesn't need any ego on the plate and Whilst I love those kinds of programs and that way of cooking for its creativity, I do think that it's made everyone assume that food that's made at home um, out of quite humble ingredients is somehow lesser. And I don't think it is. I think it's greater in a way because it's connected to the landscape, because it's very personal to you and because it's very fresh and it's fabulous ingredients. You don't have to work very hard. I think that's a really interesting point because I, I it's almost as if we're embarrassed to present something too simple. And yet, mm. ironically, all of the insanely creative and overly dramatic food that we see and, and the use of ingredients is based on the, the simple facts and then they add on top of it, right? So, for example, one of the most amazing things you'll ever taste in your life is fresh mozzarella, fresh buffalo tomatoes, and you know basil with italian olive oil and a little bit of salt you, you do nothing to it you just yeah. the flavors are there already yeah but in a way um this is a very sweet sweeping possibly overly damning statement but in a way that's the problem with that dish if you're a would-be or already michelin star chef is that there's none of you on that plate yes it's all yes. about the incredible skill of the mozzarella makers or the incredible olive oil um olive grove farmers and things like that um it's not and about the freshness of the basil and that sort of stuff it's not enough of your ego on the plate and i worry that that happens too much that's an amazing thing to say i mean this could be the end of your career the end of my career yeah Yeah. (laughs) how lovely 
Look, look at me. I've suddenly become an investigative journalist. I, <laughs> I mean, chefs who like to make fussy food bring lots of other things. I'm redeeming myself now or attempting to. Okay, gotcha. And it's very yeah. creative and is very experimental. And we definitely need that. And it's exciting. But I, I think it's a mistake to feel like that is pinnacle. It's just a different way of cooking. But that's not the apex of cooking it's just a way of doing it and it doesn't mean that any food that isn't as difficult or isn't as complicated or doesn't require as much skill is somehow lesser have you got a favorite veg to to cook kathy oh that is a or grow question Jess. you can't just ask me major questions like that and, oh i'm oh, sorry have i rocked heavens. well it's difficult because i mean broad you can beans, pick more than one. Oh, good well broad beans and yes, you are a fan root. of a broad bean. I think beetroot would have to be one. Golden um, or uh, purple? Oh, purple. Okay. Golden's nice if it's roasted, but they're a bit insipid when they're raw. Right. Uh, and I think... Insipid. <laughs> Don't hold back. Tell us what you really think. And of those. I think I would have said just broad beans hands down last year. And then my reaction to the devastation of my beetroot harvest by a mole oh. made me realise that actually I'm extremely attached to beetroots. Oh. <laughs> Devastating. Little blighter. Mm, better not swear. Little yeah. blighter. Um, yeah. Crawl, like dug a straight line directly under all my seedlings and propped them all out of the ground. And they were oh. But I mean, to be fair, he probably was unaware that there were beetroot seeds there so you know, he was just going around it, it's probably an accident ignorance is not a defense <laughs> <laughs> right okay <laughs> kathy's next book on family law enforcement <laughs> yes. be out next christmas tax law yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's march slash april mm-hmm. what are you doing in your gar- well you don't well you do have a garden don't you but you have a veg uh, an allotment that's where you grow your veg well, no more. I've brought the veg home. Scoop, scoop. I know. So my vegetables and I have been kind of nomadic uh, since we moved to the Cotswolds about uh, about 10, 12 years ago. I had a little bed at home, but it wasn't enough space. So I had my first... Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. When you say it wasn't enough space... Was it enough space or it wasn't enough space for your style of I must grow everything and all of it? <laughs> um, well, a bit of both. It was one <laughs> metre by two metres, so it was pretty okay. modest. Yeah. Sure. And then I, so I joined this dating agency called Landshare that was ages ago that Hugh Fernley Whittingstall set up. It's sadly closed now, but it was genius. And it paired people who wanted to grow with people who had spare land anything from farmers to people with extra space in their garden. A dating um, agency. So you'd end like, up dating the landowner. But no, I mean, it's like a vegetable. Oh, metaphorically. Yeah, metaphorical. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Not a weird. literal dating agency. So it paired right. you up with somebody okay. who's got spare land. Okay. Sure. Uh, bad analogy. Um, <laughs> and so I grew, I found a farmer and I grew there for a couple of years, but really the clue should have been in the name. It was called Stone Farm and it was in <laughs> stone. So there wasn't a lot of soil amongst the stones. Um, 
<laughs> and I just wasn't tough enough. Um, and it was about 20 minutes away. And then I met uh, a neighbour of ours who had too much space in his veg patch, beautiful walled kitchen garden. So he let me grow on half of that. And I was there for a good while, five or six years. And then um, he had these grand plans of expansion. So my tenure was up. And a f- another friend, you see, this is the joy of living in the Cotswolds. It's just <laughs> littered with benevolent landowners. It's great. <laughs> Um, another neighbor who lives even closer had some space and he let me grow on that but what I learned from you know I had like 100 100 um, square meters it was more space than I knew what to do with and it was only over the road so it was only a couple of minutes walk away but what I learned was a big is not necessarily better sure uh, or more productive and also when you cook like I do which is go and stand in the garden and see what's ready and then cook it. <laughs> uh, it's really helpful to have it right outside your kitchen door. Yeah. So last year, in, with incredible timing, um, just before lockdown, we finished some raised beds in the garden. So I've got about 30 square metres now, which is much, much smaller than I had before. But it's really productive in its first year, it was. And I worked it really hard. So there was never a patch of ground spare, which there had been when I had more space. And it was so lovely to be able to just walk outside of an evening and go, what shall I cook? And it was just there in front of you and you picked what you needed. Um, And I think having done that for a year, I would always counsel for less space nearer to you than yes. more space further away and, and i suppose that's one of the joys of having that right on your um doorstep and also <clears throat> metaphorically also having that you know at the tip of your fingers or on the tip of your tongue you, you you creatively know what to do with what you see but going back to um my point and also mentioning your blog is that very often i think you can get into something like growing veg or fruit or whatever and then all of a sudden, I don't think we do enough prep at the top end. Like, it's really interesting hearing you say, when I plant my leeks, I'm thinking, oh, that's going to make an amazing leek and potato soup, or I'm going to make leek and bacon and chicken pie or whatever. Mm. I think most people stop at the, let me read the packet one step at a time. What have I got to do? Drill a little, uh, you know, make a little drill, uh, put the seeds in, cover them up and then write leek on a thing and then leave it there. And then I'll come back in several months time and I've forgotten all about it. And the next thing you know, you go, Oh God, what am I going to do with 27 leaks? Yes. Um, uh, uh, but the joy about your blog and, and what you do is that we can follow you through the year as well. Can't we? So, you know, you can say, Oh, this is where I am in March. I've got all of this stuff and this is what I'm going to make with it. So you almost exactly. provide that inspiration. Exactly. For us. Um, actually March is the hardest time um because there's so little to harvest in March it's Mm -hmm. called the hungry gap um as I'm sure you'll know and it's when the winter harvests are pretty much spent so my squash harvest which was slightly disappointing this year has very much all been eaten up over the winter it's stored nicely in the um in the shed but it's all gone and the other winter brassicas are mostly over now. There's a bit of, I'm just looking out on the veg patch now. There's a, there are a few kaolettes, which is great, uh, like flower sprouts. 
and there's some Cavolo Nero and, and some kale. But that's kind of it. And there's some leeks, which are a bit split and a bit soggy now. But but none of the spring harvests have come yet. So yeah. I haven't sown my peas yet. Um, I have, The potatoes haven't gone in. Uh, actually, not much has gone in yet. I'm going to sow some radishes this weekend. And... I was thinking about sowing some beetroot, but I think it's still too early. Mostly March is just about sitting on your hands so you don't go too soon, which is yeah, really sure. easy to do. It's so exciting. All the seed catalogues are coming through the door. You yeah. really can't wait to get going after a winter of hibernation. But in my experience, unless you've got a lot of time and a lot of windowsill space or a cold frame or a greenhouse or a warmed base so you can warm your seedlings up sure. so they germinate quickly, really sit on your hands in March. Do, and do you, um, I have so many questions. Right, hang on, let, let's, let's get back. <laughs> well, who, would you, who would you say that you channel as a gardener or a chef? Because you're definitely not the Fanny Craddock of, of gardening. You're too Thank lovely. God, yeah. <laughs> um, you're a little bit Nigel Slater, aren't you? I think there's oh. a touch of Nigel Slater about you. I'm going to clip that bit of the recording as well and play that back every morning with the Is he a bit of a hero? I love Nigel Slater. I mean, mm. how could how could you not? He's so intuitive and I like his, like we were saying before, I like his simplicity, the mm. beauty he finds in simplicity. Yeah, um, I'm really influenced by River Cottage. I don't think you could be a grower and not be. Um, but... I always I remember sitting in my three bedroom, three windowed, uh, one bedroom basement flat in the centre of London, just as the first Escape to River Cottage came out in the early noughties. What was it? And um, watching it, going, "Oh God, this is heaven!" Yeah, <laughs> just thinking he was living the dream, and um, as like I'm sure millions of people did that as well and Julie went to River Cottage to do my courses and I just loved it but then oh. as I got more into cooking uh, and I met some of the team at River Cottage they've they're so supportive and I went to the it's called a stage when you as you, you you probably know this when you go and do a kind of a few weeks work experience at a sure. kitchen and I did a stage at River Cottage and they were just all generosity do you want to do this do you want to try this come and see them oh. it was so lovely and it was so creative so they've remained a big influence for me as well and again slightly messy a little bit eccentric style of cooking and growing um that's very accessible which I think is how it should be yeah, accessible is, I think, the big thing. And what, So what about gardeners, then? Who do you think you channel Oof. with growing? Who's your um, sort of go-to where you want inspiration or think, oh, I wish I was a bit more like them or they've got a great you know, way about it? Well, when I want... Aside from me. When I want to really check something, like if I really... Aside from you, obviously. Like if I really want to check something quite uh, traditional but technical in the kitchen, I go to Delia. And okay. if I want to do that in the garden, I go to Carol Klein because it's just always, um, huh. always good, straightforward, and clear knowledge. Um, sure. But then, if I want something a bit more creative, really like the team at Fern Vero, and they grow just the most incredible fruit and veg, uh, and they grow 
biodynamically as well, which I think is ah. really interesting sure. um, and requires you to go with it a little bit. Like when you read their books, she talks about um, uh, burying bits of animal bone on certain times of the year, depending on where the moon is and stuff. And, you, right. and there's part of you going, really, really though? <laughs> Um, but lordy whatever she's doing it works so uh so yeah but but I think you pick and choose I certainly pick more widely in gardening than I do in cooking well that's interesting why do you think that I don't it, know. that's interesting is it to do I, with it's, it's a lot more prescriptive well actually gardening can be very prescriptive as well actually but I think there's a a general uh feel that if you're it can be very technical gardening but I think the general consensus is it doesn't have to be and so you're sort of encouraged to go off and you know experiment yeah. yeah whereas whereas cooking from a technical point of view from what I've seen is very prescribed isn't it it's... oh you see I think it's the other way around but maybe oh wow maybe that's dependent on what you're more confident in because I think I'm more technically confident in my cooking than I am in my growing I I'm quite happy to just wing it in the kitchen whereas in the garden I do want to go and just double check the manual if you like sure, sure <laughs> and see sure. if I'm doing it right or if I'm planting it in the right space I very often then ignore it um, but I like to go and check yeah I would like to think that I mean this is going to sound a little bit this might get edited out because I think I'm going to sound sociopathic psychopathic and a little bit like a serial killer but there there are a couple of people i would love to invite here and i'm not going to say kidnap because that's a bit aggressive but it might put them off refuse to let them go possibly <laughs> by restraint and who would um, they be and can i come yes yeah right <laughs> uh, you know i'd love to have sandy toxwig for tea but i'm not entirely sure she wouldn't not be shackled so that she'd have to stay <laughs> with me to chat Definitely. to. And then also you could get Carol Klein in just and just leave her in the shed in the garden. I'd keep her nicely. She'd be fine with that, I'm sure. Sure. She'd you know, not her lovely books from there. And It's not creepy. I'm not going to hurt her. Like she'd get fed and we'd chat and, you know, she can use the shower and, you know, whatever, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's just and I don't want her to just... go. Yeah. And then we can just go and ask her questions all the time. Right. We're not sure what to do. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. And what a great dinner party that would be. They would become <laughs> such great friends. Definitely. Yeah. When mean, you think about it. Mm -hmm. It could work. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but that's possibly why I've never been allowed to meet Kofi and Anne. Um, anyway. Just that reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, talking of books... One of the key features of this podcast is album of the month and book of the month. And I'm not going to let you have your own book as book of the month, but we cannot pass talking about books without from the veg patch, 10 favorite vegetables, 100 simple recipes. Everyone will love by, oh my word, coincidence, Kathy Slack. Hooray. So in June this year, your mm. very first proper big girl grown-up cookbook comes out how does that feel I cannot tell you how excited <laughs> I am I mean it is genuinely the first thing I wake up thinking about oh, oh my god I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna have a book I'm so thrilled and it's been 
an absolute joy to make from beginning to end. It's been really creative. I've felt hugely supported by Ebri Penguin Random House, who've been sure. amazing to work with. And they, I know I'm sound like I'm totally gushing now, but they, it's such a creative bunch of people and so professional, which doesn't often come in one being, but they are. And it's really a joy. It's been great fun. I can't, I can't wait for everyone to see it. So I'm sort of terrified, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) What of the response? I'm just terrified of it going out there. I'm a bit terrified of that moment where it first arrives and I have to open it and, pray I don't see anything like oh I should have done that differently which I'm prone to do but um, sure and I'm slightly nervous about of course you're nervous about it you know this is this is what I think about all day every day it's putting I know it's just a cookbook in the grand scheme of things but it is a little bit of your soul that you pop out there somebody once said to me that anything creative that you are genuinely passionate about is akin to standing in state on stage in front of people and disemboweling yourself and just letting all of your entrails spill out onto the stage and hoping that people don't then go and walk all over them. You know, it's, it's a really exposing kind of raw, hoping that if they'll at least appreciate it and at best gently help you put them back in. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, so I am sat looking at a lovely press release. It's very colorful and beautiful. And the first thing that struck me is that the cover looks freaking brilliant. Like, and I, I'm not just saying this because it is you. It looks just, the colours are perfect, the, the balance, the, oh, I just love it. Thank you. But so do all of the other photos. Now, they've got very much a Kathy Slack sort of feel about them. Now, are these mm. yours a combination of, or is there a very clever photographer that's kind of taken your style and perfectly embodied it? they're all mine which has been amazing possibly the scariest part of the whole process because taking photos for a blog and for your instagram and for the occasional magazine is one thing but taking them for a book is a step up and i um i had an incredible assistant. I sort of hesitate to call her an assistant because she was, I'd call, let's call her a tutor uh, uh-huh. during the shoot who was at my side the whole time. And she was a master of shadows and she'd notice things that I would never have noticed. She, I learned so much from her. Incredible. But from that, we were able to get that style that I really like, which is quite blousy and quite colourful, sure. um, but also keep them technically um appropriately skilled as well but it was great fun but they look great they look so inviting the color and the and the food and it just they're honest that's what I love about you you are so honest and individual and you have such incredible dignity and I I just love it I love everything about Kathy Slack Um, now um We'll talk about remuneration later. Um, so, when, <laughs> checks in the post. When, <laughs> when does this come out? When can people buy their own copy of From the Veg Patch? 10th of June. Uh, it's exactly. out in the world. You can pre order now. And Ooh. I mean, this is this whole publishing world is so new to me, but it turns out, and I'm still quite haven't fathomed out why, but pre orders are everything. Yeah, it's they are. Kind of sense of how well the book's going to do and the profile that it's going to get when it finally comes out. So 
I'm going. I'm being very annoying. I'm yeah. such a bore with people already. If you're thinking about buying it, please buy it now. You know. And I also, mean, the pre-order is how you get into the bestseller lists as well. Is it good yeah. to know? Okay, right. Well, that so, might be a. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> it is called From the Veg Patch, and it's by Kathy Slack. And I, I have to say, I've got. I think everybody's got a lot of cookbooks. I always, I, I use cookery books as an example of human behaviour a lot because I say, you know, most people have got. <laughs> I don't, at least 10 cookbooks, probably more. It's the classic thing that you're gifted. Mm-hmm. And yet most of us, you will be the big exception. Normal people, when it comes to food, have the same five recipes that they rotate all the time. You know, something a bit fancy yeah. and special when people come around, it's going to be that or that. Um, you know, spaghetti bolognese, shepherd's pie, fish and chips, whatever it may be. Yeah, and then sure. throw in a couple of favorite takeaways in there as well. Yeah. Um, we hardly ever use that because we're creatures of habit. <clears throat> um, and actually delving into those cookery books and pushing your perceived own boundaries a little more because comfort zones and boundaries are you know entirely created by us anyway Mm. um i think is a really really interesting way to explore this because one way of approaching it is you get your cookbook and uh, you change your pattern slightly so you you mix up your day a bit and day by day you cook what's on that page and you go to the shops on your way home from work or on the way to work or whatever and you buy the ingredients for that recipe and that's what you do for today so you've got that kind of complete cycle mm-hmm. uh, another way to do it is to do sort of you know if you you do your shop in one big go collect 10 of the recipes or whatever with sell by dates in mind and batch by and then cook your way through a section of the cookbook mm-hmm. um uh, and of course, the other way to think about it is to go through, read them all, pick your favorite ones to start with, and then and then cook those. There's loads of different ways you can approach changing your behavior when it comes to cookbooks. Now, the reason for saying all that, Kathy, is because I appreciate that we are not enemies yet, right? <laughs> but this could change everything. Uh-oh. <laughs> <clears throat> Why do we need another cookbook? And why is this cookbook different to the many others that I've got that are sat on my shelf looking very pretty that I loved at the time, but I've sort of forgotten about? Well, it's really interesting you talk about the different ways that you can use a cookbook. What I'd really like from this one is for people to go, oh, look, beetroot. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that, but it's in the height of the season for beetroot. So I'll get some and then I'll go home and look in the beetroot chapter because the book's organised by vegetables, vaguely seasonally from spring Ooh, through the year. Yeah, yeah. But there's a whole chapter on beetroot. And then they can look and go, oh, beetroot granita, I hadn't thought of that. Or uh, beetroot cheesecake. Now there's an idea. Ooh. And there's 10 recipes for each vegetable. But then at the end, there's a section about other ways of using them that are just ideas or flavor combinations like um, mackerel or oily fish and beetroot goes really well or creamy flavors like cream cheese and beetroot goes really well to just give you some hints so that you can go to the shops and go oh beetroot not sure I'm going to do with that but I'll just grab it anyway because I know there'll be lots of ideas in the book when I get home so I really hope that's how people use it. And if you do grow, then you will inevitably have a glut of beetroot and you'll be able to go, what shall I do with all of this? So hopefully it's a slightly different way of, I don't want to paint it as a reference book because it's definitely not, but I hope it gives people ideas, like just little flashes of flavour combinations or ways of treating a vegetable and 
putting it at the centre of the plate, which I think we are sometimes reluctant to do. If you've got beetroot, you can make a main course from that. Sure. And the book will show you how. Uh, whereas often we would go, oh, well, I'll make a salad to go on the side of something else then. And that's not necessarily what you need to do. So hopefully it will act, give people some ideas, but also encourage them to put those ideas that they're in the middle of the plate rather than on the side. I think it's lovely. I think it's a brilliant, what looks like, reading the press release and looking at the photos, looks like a brilliant book for anybody who's interested in cooking, anybody that grows their own, but also also a gardener. Because if, even if you're not a cook or you're not into cooking or you think that you can't cook, which is nonsense, that's like saying you, can't, you haven't got rhythm or can't play a musical instrument, all of those things are nonsense. Quite. Um, uh, it's a great book, I think, for anybody who's into self-sufficiency or has got their own, you know, or wants to get into growing veg so you know what you do with it. I love that concept of from the beginning, growing something, planting, going, when that grows, I'm going to cook this with it and I can't flip in weight. Yeah, um, and that's that's why at the beginning of each chapter I talk a bit about varieties and how to grow it. I mean, I wouldn't say that you would start from never having held a seed packet sure. and be able to grow these 10 vegetables from just reading the intros of these book, this yes. book. But it will definitely give you a sense of what's needed. And, and inspiration. Tried, yeah, and I tried to pick vegetables that are straightforward to grow I would say that leeks and tomatoes are probably the most complicated growers that I've put in there but I've tried to pick veg of the 10 veg that are relatively possible in small spaces um by small spaces I mean pots and balconies but yeah, yeah. easily possible in a garden um and accessible to new growers which is why there isn't savoy cabbage or cauliflower i love cauliflower i really wanted to put a cauliflower chapter in there but in my experience they're an absolute pig to grow ah. and i didn't want to put people off if it's the first brassica that they try sure so. love it real world advice as ever from you um right so that's your book done out the way glad mm. we got that done <laughs> <laughs> i shall be pre-ordering mine um yes what and encouraging others to to i don't i'm very good like that i don't there's an awful lot of stuff i don't endorse just because you can um but i just know i've been such a fan of yours and you give such great advice i just know it's going to be brilliant so um i think we should all go buy it um Let's if not see. for you then for a least favorite child <laughs> um what <laughs> What do you do when you're in the garden um, growing your veg or when you're cooking? Are you, a, are you a music listener or are you a, do you like the kind of silence and being in the moment? I, li I generally like the silence and being in okay. the moment. It depends on the job. Okay. If, I'm, if it's something tedious, like cleaning the cold frame or yes. turning the compost, then I like to have something on, but usually Radio 4 often gardeners question time because how could you not yeah um or something like that or ramblings or i mean like peak radio fauness um okay. and but otherwise i like the meditative quality of just listening to the sure. birds and the bees and yeah, yeah the peacefulness um, of it and so do you have a book of the month or an album of the month that you're particularly uh, interested in um, or that Ooh. you want to share with listeners? Because I've got both just in case. So okay. you can pick either. 
Well, I wonder if we'd pick the same thing. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be. I doubt it. I <laughs> but, but for um, your own sanity. <laughs> if I had to pick a book of the month, well, I've just started reading. Oh, can I have two? Oh, uh, for, it's like being with Adam Frost again. Yes, fine. You can have two. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> So one would be uh, Nosedive, which is the new book by Harold McGee, who writes technical books about cooking and why caramelize things like why caramelization happens and why it's sweet. And it's quite technical stuff. But he's just written this book about um, about taste and well, mostly about smell and why things smell the way they do and how we interpret them. And it's absolutely fascinating. Wow. so a def it's a thick old book and it's quite technical, but it's right. really interesting. Okay. So that would be one of my books. And my other one would be it's got to be the new Anna Jones book, fabulous vegetarian chef. She writes for The Guardian a lot, everyone will have heard of her. And her new book, One, is was out last week and I just got my copy yesterday and it's completely beautiful. Of course, she's always does, always does fabulous stuff. Um so that would be my book. Album-wise... No, 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 you don't get both. Oh, don't I? I am a co-host too. Oh. You get either book of the month or album of the month. Okay, There's two of us. Great. I'm part of this as well, yeah? Okay, yeah, all Ooh. right, fine. What would yours be? <laughs> <laughs> Back off, Slack. Um, well, as you had two books, I'm going to give you one album. It okay. won't be new to anybody. I honestly, my music taste is so eclectic on this series. In fact, you over say the... like Fleetwood Mac or something, aren't you? <laughs> well, no, but that could be. I mean, I don't know who they are, but but that yeah. could be one of those people. I probably know the song. I'm terrible with a famous people and b music. I just that's why it's so eclectic because I go, oh, that's a nice song. Who's that by? And then I go, this is the guy that at 16, when everyone else was like super into their bands and music and stuff. I would go into HMV and say, have you got that one that goes because I'd heard it on the radio and gone, oh, that's good, but I had no idea. For real, uh, that actually well, happened. Don't worry, I had a fairly serious Genesis obsession when I was about 15, so that's, which is fairly dreadful. So you're in a, you're in. Yeah, but it's nice to have company. that reassurance that he knows you and he knows you're right. Um, <laughs> so, it is Kate Bush. I have rediscovered Kate Bush. Genius. Right. Oh, good. I've redeemed myself. And um, I went straight for, this morning, uh, the Kick Inside, the remastered mm. version, um, because it's hauntingly creative and beautiful and sounds incredible really loud. As she always does. I mean, that's a brilliant choice. So I a think in terms of that, that evocative jarring but in a good way sort of it just it feels like a march album you know as Mm. the garden's kicking into life and you've got that kind of expression of growth and freedom outside Mm. the bit of kate bush sort of scene with the windows open on a mild day seemed like a good sort of way to start my march so yeah, uh, that that, my... that might help me get through turning the compost. I think that's quite a good idea. Ah, yes, that's a great idea. You, you could wail with her as well. Because <laughs> my uh, turning the compost is also on my list that I've been very, very brilliant at putting off over mm. several weeks. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Same. <laughs> Telling myself that that's actually a bit more important than turning the compost. Mm. Um, well, listen. Sure, <laughs> love that. 
<laughs> there is one last thing to mention before we uh, wrap up today's chat. Uh, I, do you know what? I could talk to you for hours. Um, and, Likewise. Uh, I love... I love the creative stuff we get to do. Genuinely, I'm really sad that you're not closer because um, I think we could uh, we could do some great we could do some great stuff. And I, I hopefully, before you become a super famous international author um, and forget all of us mere minions struggling away in the background, I hope you. Uh, I hope we get to still do some creative stuff. Yeah, when they let us out, you'll have to come and see my new bedroom. When they let us out, Kathy Slack, <laughs> let you. us out, let <laughs> us out, you. See what I did there. <laughs> Very clever. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, a poet, but not necessarily first. Oh. Hey! Hey! <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Come on now. Come on. There's no Let's stop now. For that kind of thing. No, I'm sorry. Um, but um, I'm desperately trying to think of another one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, right. Let's keep a lid on this. Or it's all going to mm. leak before we get to the end. Hey, yeah. yes. Come on, we can keep going. Oh, what a pair. What a pair. It's been, it's been wonderful. Yes, been wonderful. Love that. Love it. Oh, see, we've, there's another book in this. Now, <laughs> there is a thing called coffee. Uh, for this series, what I thought we'd do is um, people uh, for a long time have been saying, oh, you know, you should sell the pegs. Or, we'll come to the peg in a second before we wrap up. You should sell a mug or, or whatever. Well, I did come up with very, which I thought was one of my better ideas, but sadly it is not to be. Um, was uh, lingerie, but with uh, the faces of the co-hosts on them. Uh, but I can't that see why that didn't work. Didn't, but it wasn't the uptake that I assumed there would be. I'm um, astonished, But anyway, you know, not, you can't have every idea, can you? It's, it's not been forgotten completely. It's just there on a, on a list for another day when people perhaps are feeling a little more in tune. When the world's caught up with your ideas. Yeah. <laughs> right, I know. I'm just ahead of the curve. Um, <laughs> so... We decided, or I decided, that I would allow people to give money, uh, to donate uh, a pound, two pound, 20 pounds, 500 pounds, 50p, whatever you can afford, to the podcast funds. So you can go to ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com forward slash roots, um, and show your appreciation. You can say, Do you know, what? I really love the uh, guests that you've had, or I've loved the podcast, and you can give a bit of money. And that money now is all being divvied up. Uh, so we're going to wait to the end of the series. Uh, well, I might do it in the summer when it, it might be more um, useful. Um, I'm going to give it to community gardening projects um, so that they can buy some seeds or buy some tools or whatever. Um, and we'll try and do it re relatively geographically spread out so everybody who's contributed gets to say that they've contributed to something wonderful um, for some community projects for people perhaps in less fortunate positions than ourselves or have had a bit of a rougher ride in life but that they're you know finding solace in their journey through gardening so Definitely. if you have enjoyed this uh, episode and enjoyed this series a lot of pressure for a co-host there Kathy uh, <laughs> I have whoever whichever episode gets the most donations they will be invited back uh, <laughs> <laughs> go to ko-fi.coffee.com forward slash roots um so the peg really quick before you go <clears throat> are you a fan of the peg kathy excuse me oh come on seriously call yourself a fan so you know the peg i always wear a peg when i'm in the garden so that i can peg a list you know my to-do list to it it's just that I forget. How have I missed this, Jess? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a national institution, my peg. There is furore. If I ever post a picture of myself on Instagram or on social media and I've forgotten the peg or it's a coat that I don't have a peg on, which is actually only think about two, 
there's always a question about where's the peg why is the peg not there what, what are you doing without a peg I've I can't been living under a rock. I can't believe I've missed that. It's oh a genius idea. I know, right? And then people say to me, oh, why is the list upside down? And I'm like, people, think it through. So when you look down, you can see the to-do list, right? Like a nurse's watch. <clears throat> yes, similar, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, nurse Gladys Emmanuel does gardening. Yes, thanks for, the, <laughs> thanks for that. Just ruin any tiny glimmer of street cred I had. has <laughs> gone, gone. <laughs> like a nurse yes <laughs> um so that because you know what it's like in the garden i'd imagine similar in the kitchen you think oh i'll go out there and deadhead that or i'll go out there and do that and you start that job and you look to your one side and think well that needs doing and then you're off doing that and then you're you know your head's down doing this and then by the time you've finished you've weeded an entire border that you didn't plan on doing you look back and you haven't finished the job you first started doing there's still four other things oh i'll go off and do that so you have a to-do list. That is my to gardening yourself. life. I totally agree <laughs> with you. And it's part of the joy of gardening life too, right? But yeah. having a little list, peg to you, you can keep a track of what you need to do. Genius. Thank Good you. Stop that. Thank you very much. It is a word that is often used uh, in conjunction with my name. <laughs> it's not the only six-letter word, but it is my favourite. Kathy Slack, it has been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you for this. So much fun. Thank you for having me. It's been really lovely. I can't wait till we can go get back in your garden and your lovely outdoor kitchen and you can come and see my veg patch and it's going to be great that's what we need to do we need to do veg patch swapping some sort of veg mm. patch thing together um i like the idea of that uh it's been a joy we should maybe do our own one of these ditch all the other co-hosts i'm not yeah, gonna lie you're one of my favorites right do you say that to everyone at the end uh probably probably <laughs> yeah, i'm just probably. reading a script I'm, i'll be honest <laughs> I'll just say whatever comes up on the screen <laughs> get her off oh no sorry that's a, that's a, a note from the producer <laughs> Kathy Stack it's time to say goodbye say goodbye Kathy bye <laughs> bye bye everybody see you next month bye bye <laughs>